the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy and teeing up solutions for today's big issues, here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Have you ever been unsure? Have you ever needed a guide? Have you ever just had to put it together with bailing wire, chewing gum, shoestring? Did you ever wish that, man, you had someone that could help you out? Did you ever need encouragement? Have you ever been an encouragement? You know, one thing I love about doing this radio show and this podcast is I get to grow, I get to learn, but I got to tell you the most important thing is I get to inspire. I get to assist. I get to help. And today on Like It Matters Radio, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Today I'm going to put on my whistle, my stopwatch. For those that have been through Leadership Awakening, you know me and my scrubs and me and my gadgets. And so today I'm going to put on my uh, my whistle, my stopwatch. I'm going to don the position of coach. You know, if you think about it, leadership is the ability to move people. You know, what does a coach do? What does a pastor do? If you think about it. But leadership is the ability to move people, the ability to motivate people. Really, that's what the word motivate means. It means to move, to constructively move somebody. You know, people want to believe in something bigger than themselves. We all wear a hat, what's in it for me? But we all want to be a part of something bigger than we are. That's, that's one of our purposes, one of our passions. And part of a leader's job is to, to feed that belief, to feed that vision. Uh, it falls in the category of hope. And hope says no matter the struggles today, tomorrow can be better. Most great athletes, most great uh, leaders, most uh, great human beings, and they have a coach story. You know, that time that they learned a lesson, uh, that time that they, they something impacted them, someone impacted them in a way that they never forgot. And if you understand the whole concept of significant living, significant living needs a wise coach or two. A standard, a measuring stick that tells us how we are doing so far. And so today I want to blow the whistle. And today's show is called Put Me In Coach. You know, in 31 years of helping people become more than they thought possible. 
in 31 years of working in the human potential arena, you know, I, I've been blessed because I've uh, been able to impact individually, one-on-one, uh, tens of thousands of people. And one of the greatest rewards I have uh, in my training is when people come out of the training and their life is forever changed because everybody comes out of my life, my training changed. Oh, everybody. Uh, at the end of my two-and-a-half-day process, you can read about it at likeitmatters.net. I'll be in Vegas in a couple weeks. Love to see you in Vegas. But people send me testimonials because, see, everybody's impacted. Boy, if I could bottle the feeling that people have when they leave my training, I'd be a gazillionaire. I would be. So everybody's impacted. Everybody's life's changed at least for a short period of time. But the true blessing to me is when I have someone that says their life is forever changed. A lot of those those messages don't come to 15, 20, 30 years after I've impacted them and walked with them. And so I love sharing testimonials. And one of my favorite testimonials is from Dr. Anderson Murley. He's a cardiologist at Bartlesville, Oklahoma. I thought for some reason a blue stem cardiology. We did a lot of work. I thought they were in Kansas City as well. But after his class, he was required to go through by blue stem cardiology. He's a, a, he's a cardiologist. Uh, didn't want to go like a lot of people, but he went. Uh, and after he went through, this was a couple months after he went through, he sent me this letter, uh, unrequested, but very appreciated. He said, after your class, Mr. Black, I was reminded of the John Fogarty song, Centerfield. I kept thinking, put me in coach, put me in coach, I'm ready to play. The process you have put together is truly amazing. The things we did and the things you said that were so powerful because of how you put it all together, and it is absolutely mind-boggling. You know what you and I do is so similar. He goes on to say, as as a cardiologist, I work on people's hearts. You do too, Mr. Black. See, most of the time I see people after a heart attack. You do too, in a sense. After a mechanical fix, most people I see are really interested in taking care of themselves differently, taking their medications, exercising, eating right. They want to do things better. You have the same effect. My heart was mended spiritually by you. I'm excited about living my life like it matters. In fact, I'm fired up. This was by far the best 48 hours I have ever experienced, and I can thank you for that, sir. I have my toolbox, and I'm excited about being under construction Keep healing hearts, Mr. Black, and put me in coach. I'm ready to play. That's the key. A good coach is someone who guides. A good coach is a mentor. You know, there's a man who's called the coach. You know, John Wooden, effectively known as coach. He led UCLA to record wins that are still unmatched in the world of basketball. And throughout his long life, he shared the values and life lessons he passed to his players, emphasizing success is about much more than winning. See, John Wooden was a great coach because he taught about life. He taught about what the score meant on the board and what the score meant in life. His name is synonymous with winning. But not just on the court, off the court. It's synonymous with success. So much so, the College Player of the Year Award is named the John R. Wooden Award. And who's it awarded to? The top male and female players in college basketball. You see, Coach wanted his players victors in life and not just on the court. 
So he treated them as an extended family and emphasized that winning was more than scoring. Indeed, most of his inspiring theories were born from conversations with his father as a boy on their farm in Indiana. One that sums up his ideology quite well is his often quoted definition of success. He says, success is peace of mind, which is a direct result of self-satisfaction in knowing you made the effort to become the best that you are capable of becoming. You know, Bill Walton said, Coach Wooden is a humble private man who has selflessly given up his life to make other people's lives better. Did you hear that? That's the definition of significant living. That's what a coach can do. That's what a mentor can do. That's what a guide can do. And Bill Witten went on to, Bill Walton went on to say, John Wooden gave us the necessary tools to overcome the adversity and obstacles that he knew from the beginning would always be in our way. He taught us to find a source of motivation to inspire us to, o- to over high, higher levels of preparation and work to ever higher preparation. See, that's what we get to do, ladies and gentlemen. Today, I want to go into that. I'm a dad. And, you know, I was blessed because I got a chance to meet Jim Herrick and get to know Jim Herrick. And he was trained by Coach Wooden. And Jim Herrick gave me this, this piece. And to me, it's the essence of a coach. It's the essence of a leader. It's the essence of a man. It's called A Little Fellow Follows Me. It says, a careful man I want to be, a little fellow follows me. I do not dare to go astray for fear he'll go the same self way. I cannot once escape his eyes. Whatever he sees me do, he tries. Like me, he says he's going to be the little chap that follows me. He thinks I'm good and fine, believes in every word of mine. The base in me he must not see, the little chap who follows me. I must remember as I go through summer sun and winter snow, I'm building for the years to be that little chap who follows me. Today on Like It Matters Radio, we're talking about put me in, coach. What is your standard? It's time to raise the bar. A good coach challenges us. A good coach pushes us. A good coach never allows you to quit or accept good enough. Stay tuned for that good coach. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. Please follow and subscribe to our podcast. Everywhere you go, you can listen to podcasts. You can find us, Living Life Like It Matters, Like It Matters Radio, both of those. They're two separate things. Our Living Life Like It Matters is our bi-weekly podcast. Like It Matters Radio is our daily radio show broadcast out of Minneapolis, but then goes right to podcast form. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, please subscribe, download, share, please. The world is messed up. And this is what I want to do. I want to help people in the battle, in the war, the battles in the mind. This is what's going on. We're getting confused. We don't know who we are. We have an existential crisis. This is where a good coach comes in. A good coach has vision. A good coach calms the water. A good coach will stir people up in a productive way. A good coach has a standard. A good coach never lowers the bar. 
A good coach helps people push and work hard and overcome. And that's what I do in my leadership training at likeitmatters.net. And that's what we do on our podcast. Whether it's the daily radio show called Like It Matters Radio, Monday through Friday, or it's our bi-weekly podcast called Living Life Like It Matters. Because sometimes in life, you got to stop and you got to examine. And that's what we're doing today. So I want you all stop and take a nice deep breath in through the nose and exhale through the mouth. And now, story time with Mr. Black. Tim Mead shares this story. While I was waiting in line to register with the hotel staff, I was at the 52nd annual ABCA convention, the American Baseball Coaches Association. And I was in line and I heard other more veteran coaches rumbling about the lineup of speakers scheduled to speak during the weekend. And one name kept resurfacing, always with the same sentiment. John Scalinos is here. Oh man, worth every penny of my airfare, John Scalinas is here. John Scalinas is here. I kept hearing that name. And you're probably wondering, who is John Scalinas? I wonder too. In 1996, Scoach Scalinas was 78 years old and five years retired from a college coaching career that began in 1948. He shuffled to the stage to an impressive standing ovation. He was wearing dark polyester pants, a light blue shirt, and a string around his neck from which home plate hung, a full-size stark white home plate hanging from his neck. You're probably all wondering, right? Think about that. How many people are waiting to wonder, what are you doing, coach? So as he shuffled to the front with his home plate hanging around his neck, Everybody's wondering, who is this guy? What's he doing? And after speaking for about 25 minutes, he never once mentioned the prop hanging around his neck. Coach Scalinos appeared to notice the snickering among some of the other coaches. So even those who know the coach had to wonder exactly, what's what's he doing here? Why does he have the home plate around his neck? He's never even addressed it. Well, after about 25 minutes, he addressed it. He said, you're probably all wondering why I'm wearing home plate around my neck. He said, you know, as his voice growing irascible. I laughed with the others, acknowledging the possibility. Then the coaching sage continued. I may be old, but I'm not crazy. The reason I stand before you today is to share with you baseball people. What I've learned in my life. What I've learned about home plate. In my 78 years, several hands went up when Scalinas asked, how many Little League coaches do we have in this room? And with that hands, all those hands raised, he asked a simple question. Do you know how wide home plate is in the Little Leagues? After a pause, someone offered 17 inches? More of a question than answer. That's right, he said. How about Babe Ruth Day? You know, the old Babe. And Babe Ruth Day. Any Babe Ruth coaches in the house? How long was home plate? How wide was home plate? 
in Babe Ruth's day. 17 inches? Guess from another reluctant coach. That's right, said Scalinas. Now, how many high school coaches do we have in the room? Hundreds of hands shot up as the pattern began to appear. How wide is home plate in high school baseball? 17 inches, they said, sounding more confident with each answer. You're right, Scalinas barked. And you college coaches, how wide is home plate in college? 17 inches, we said in unison. Any minor league coaches here? How wide is home plate in pro ball? 17 inches. Right. And the major leagues? Come on, gentlemen. How wide is home plate in the major leagues, gentlemen? 17 inches was the roar. 17 inches, he confirmed, his voice bellowing off the walls. And what do they do with a big league pitcher who can't throw the ball over 17 inches? They send him Pocatello. He hollered, drawing raucous laughter. What they don't do is this. They don't say, ah, oh, that's okay, Johnny. If you can't hit 17-inch target, hey, let's widen it for you. We'll make it 18 inches, maybe 19 inches. How about 20 inches? Well, we'll make it 20 inches, make you feel better about yourself, maybe give you a better chance of, of hitting it. And if you can't hit that, Johnny, just, just let us know. Maybe we can make it wider still. Let's say maybe 25 inches so you don't feel bad. Coaches, what do we do? When your best player shows up late to practice, or when our team rules forbid facial hair and a guy shows up unshaven, what if he gets caught drinking? Do we hold him accountable? Or do we change the rules to fit him? Do we widen home plate? The chuckles gradually faded as 4,000 coaches grew quiet. The fog lifting as the old coach's message began to unfold. He turned the plate that was hanging around his neck toward himself. He picked up a sharpie and began to draw something. When he turned it toward the crowd, pouring up, a house was revealed. Complete with a freshly drawn door and two windows. This is the problem in our homes today, coach said. With our marriages, with the way we parent our kids, with our discipline... We don't teach accountability to our kids, and there's no consequence for failing to meet standards. We just widen the plate. Then to the point at the top of the house, he had a small American flag. This is the problem in our schools today. The quality of our education is going downhill fast, and teachers have been stripped of the tools they need to be successful. To educate and discipline our young people, we are allowing others to widen home plate. He replaced the flag with a cross and said this is the problem in our churches where powerful people in positions of authority have taken advantage of young people only to have such an atrocity swept under the rug for years. Our church leaders are widening home plate for themselves and we allow it in something called condoning. And the same is true with our government. Our so-called representatives make rules for us that don't apply to themselves. They take bribes and they feed hatred and racism and bitterness. They no longer serve us. 
And we just keep allowing it to widen home plate more and more and more. And we see our country is falling in a dark abyss while we just watch. From an old man with home plate strung around his neck, I had learned something about life and about myself, about my own weaknesses, and about my responsibilities as a leader. I had to hold myself and others accountable to that which I knew to be right lest our families, our faith, and our society continue down an undesirable path. If I'm lucky, Coach Kalinas concluded, concluded, you will remember one thing from this old coach day. It is this. If we fail to hold ourselves to a higher standard, a standard of what we know to be right, if we fail to hold our spouse and our children to the same standards, if we are unwilling or unable to provide a consequence when they do not meet the standard, and if our schools and our churches and our government fail to hold themselves accountable to those they serve, there is but one thing to look forward to. With that, he held home plate in front of his chest, turned it around and revealed its dark, black backside. And he said, in America, that will be the consequence. We have dark days ahead. A power of a coach is to get our attention. A power of a coach is to set a standard. The power of a coach is to challenge us, to not accept good enough, to encourage us, The word encourage means to put courage into somebody. And if you're living in survival, it's all about you. You're just working. You're a squirrel working to get your nut. If you're working to be successful, it's still about you. And there's a little bit of overflow that might go to others outside your family. But if you're looking to live a life that matters, to live a life of significance, then no man is an island and rocking to himself. We are all part of the larger continent. We all need people. And people need to be pushed, need to be challenged, need to learn that when life throws a lot at you and knocks you on your butt, you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, and you hit it again. Because that's what leaders do. And coaches encourage them to step up. I'm black. Today we're talking about, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Living life like it matters. Why? Because you were blessed with life. Do you realize there's nobody else like you? Do you realize that you are unique? Do you realize that no matter all the billions, maybe trillions of people who are ever created on this planet, from Adam to whoever the last one will be, there's no one like you. And our good book, the Bible says clearly, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Prosper not to harm you, plans for hope in the future. That's Jeremiah. He told Jeremiah that. And Paul told Ephesus Church that you are God's workmanship, masterpiece, created new in Christ Jesus, prepared in advance for good works for you to walk through. But here's the thing, you, you need a guide, you need a mentor, you need to know omniscience is the quality of God, no human being. Perfect knowledge doesn't, is not possessed by flesh. 
And so in life, we learn. That's what it means by being a a lifelong learner. It doesn't mean you go to college for 30 years, get $300,000 in debt, then you vote for an election where that person will remove all that debt that you wasted for 30 years. That's not what it means. That means to be pushing yourself, challenging yourself, stretching yourself, being better today than yesterday, better tomorrow than today. But the problem is we have a limited scope. We have our own lives to live. We're, we're working to get through things. We're getting through the summer, getting through the school year, getting through a, this fire, getting through this disease, getting through the season, getting through this year, getting through this heat, getting through this time. So busy getting through. And then you have an enemy out there wanting to make you busy and or bad. And, and you know how what's said, if, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Busy about things, do they really matter? Are they profitable? What impact is this making for the good of others? See, we need another set of eyes. In, in NLP, we call them perceptual positions. There are three perceptual positions. I believe there's only three ways to see any situation. First position is from your own eyes. It's called self, from your map of reality. Second position is called other. It's the definition of uh, empathy. You actually get out of your own experience and put yourself in someone else's moccasins. That's where empathy comes from, to walk a mile in someone else's moccasins. The problem is you can't have empathy until you change positions. You've got to get out of first position, which is yourself, your ego, your own map of reality, and you've got to don, put on somebody else's map of reality. You see it from their perspective. That's other. And then third position is from an overview Kind of like there's a videotape watching the interaction take place. And that each one of those gives you something different. See, first position, you're emotionally involved. Second position, you're emotionally involved with the other person because you become the other person. So first position, you're emotionally involved with your own thing. Second position, do it properly. You get outside your own experience and step into another person's experience. So now you're emotionally involved with what they were experiencing. And third position is dissociated. Third position is without the emotion. Third position is watching it from an overview. Third position is where you can see what it looks like to other people without the emotional involvement from the outside looking in. Now, why do I bring this up? Because each one of those gives us data. It gives perspective. When you change your position, you change your perspective. And no one responds to reality. We respond to our map of reality, our perception, our perspective of what we believe is going on. The perfect example is in my leadership training. It is intense. Intense. And I treat everybody the same way. It's an even slate. And some people embrace it. Some people are pumped. Some people, yes, sir, no, sir, how high, sir. Other people think I'm attacking them. Other people think, think that I, I'm de- uh, destroying them. Other people think, oh, my gosh, that's all I need to do is go to another class where I'm told I'm not good enough. Now, that's not what I'm doing at all. But, again, no one responds to reality. What we respond to is our map of reality. And sometimes we are so emotionally involved. Sometimes we are so associated. Sometimes we are so immense, so much trauma and drama that we can't think clearly. We can't see clearly. And so we need some outside input. That is what a coach does. That 
is what a mentor does. That is what a leader does. That is what significant living is all about. Remember, we got to keep it simple, soldier. There are three roles of significant living. We talk about this. Or it's three roles of, three levels, I should say, of living. Right? You got the three levels of living. You got survival, you got success, and you got significance. I want to layer these in, so excuse my moving, parsing of language here. So we got three levels of living. There's survival, success, or significance. Remember, significance always requires other people which are then wrapped around or tied into three zones that we live in. Remember the three zones? There's the comfort zone, where things go to die. There's the fear zone, which is false evidence appearing real. And the problem is we like to be comfortable. And so sometimes we need other people to prompt us, to propel us, to to push us, if you will, to challenge us to step outside of our comfort zone. And even though we can do it to ourselves, it's like working out the gym. If you're working out with weights at a gym, this is the value of a coach, of a mentor. So think about if you're under a bench press and you're working with a big old bar and you're doing chest lifts, right, bench presses. If you're working out by yourself and you have 250 pounds on there, as soon as one of your arms gets a little wobbly, you put the weight down, you're done. Now, that way you'll maintain your strength. But you can't keep pushing because if you get stuck, now you're a man pinned under a bench press bar at a gym and talk about being emasculated, right? Uh, Impotent, right? However, if you have a partner, someone watching you, someone challenging you to breathe, to push, when it gets wobbly and you think you're done, you know what your partner will say to you? Two more. And it's impossible to do those two more, so they're actually having to tap on the bar, actually having to pull a little bit. Sometimes I wonder if my partner is pushing or pulling more than I'm pushing or pulling. And then you would say, then why do it? Because that helps build strength. Stopping when something gets uncomfortable maintains strength. But pushing through it and being more uncomfortable and pushing beyond makes you grow in strength. That's the power of a coach, of a leader. And a lot of us don't have anywhere. People are so wrapped up in their own world. This is why I do this radio show. This is why I do Like It Matters Leadership Training. Two and a half days that will rock your world in a good way. Well, I'm going to be in Vegas August 17th. Go to likeitmatters.net. You need this. People are struggling. People are broken. People are helpless and hopeless. People are confused. Man, the time is now. I remember a farmer was taking three of his donkeys for sale to the market. On the way, he saw a river and decided to to stop and take a dip. So he he wanted to tie up his donkey so he can go swim, cool down. And but he realized he had a dilemma. Somehow he had lost a rope. He he only had two ropes, but he has three donkeys. And so he he didn't know what to do. He knew he could tie the two donkeys. The ropes weren't long enough to tie two with one. So he started looking around, wondering, how's he going to tie this third donkey? So as he looked around, he saw a sage, a, a wise man, at a distance over there by the water. And so he sought his help to see if he had another rope, something he could help him to tie the third donkey. So he went up to the sage and told him his predicament, and the sage said, I'm so sorry, but I do not have a rope for you, so I can't give you what I don't have. But what I do have is some wisdom If you'd like that, I'd be happy to share it with you. 
So he told the farmer, after the farmer agreed, yes, I'd like to know your wisdom, he told the farmer, let the third donkey see you tying the first donkey up, and then let the third donkey see you tying the second donkey up to a tree. Then I want you to pretend to tie the third donkey up to that same tree right with the other two. The farmer looked confused, and he started to speak, but the wise man just shushed him and walked away. So the farmer did as he was told. He tied, pretended to tie the third donkey, and what do you know? He started walking away, the third donkey stayed. And so he went and took a dip in the river. So coming back, he thanked the sage and, and, and saw that the donkeys were right where he left them. So ready to leave, he untied the two donkeys and patted the third one and started moving away. Well, after going a short distance, the third donkey never moved. He was still at the tree standing right there. The farmer did everything he could to make the donkey move, cajoling, kicking, talking. Nothing helped. Lost. Didn't know what to do. Now he's getting behind. Again, needing some help, he went back to the sage. He told him again his new predicament. And the sage, upon hearing the dilemma, looked at him confused. He just shook his head. He said, untie the third donkey. But, protest the farmer, shocked. Like, what kind of answer is this? I have not tied him. And the sage said, you know that. I know that. But the animal doesn't know that. So the farmer went back, pretended to untie the donkey, and with that, the donkey moved immediately as though released and walked over to join the other two. No man is an island and rocking to himself. Sometimes we need another set of eyes. Sometimes we're so frustrated, so beaten down, so struggling that we can't see the answer even though it's right in front of us. This is the power of a mentor. This is the power of a coach. And this is also the power of significant living. Because survival is all about you. You're just a squirrel working to get your nut. Success is still about you. And maybe there's some overflow to others outside of your family. But significance, ah, that requires that you being uncomfortable, you stepping out in that zone called fear, false evidence appearing real, and helping people, people you know, people you don't know, and here's the standard, see a need, meet a need. Coach Black will be right back after commercial messages. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. Today, we're talking about put me in coach. I'm ready to play. You know, one of the things about a coach I remember, and the same thing in boot camp, great mentors, great leaders, they have standards. And let's be honest, we've lost our standards. You know, I always say that, you know, it all starts with your operating system, and And to me, the operating system is what really sets the foundation for the standards. There's only two operating systems. There's the FOS, the flesh operating system, where you basically design God in your image. Uh, And then there's a GOS, which is more of a biblically grounded operating system. That's a God operating system that says, there is a God, the Bible talks about him, and I'm not him. You know, that's the key. But we have to know that there are standards. In a marriage, there are standards. And yet we live in a time where people don't believe in marriage. You know, my wife's going off and hanging out with some friends, and they do gaming and all that, and none of these people are Christians. 
A uh, couple of them have been together a long time, the couples, but they're not even married. They don't believe in marriage. They don't believe in God. And, and my wife wonders why I have a hard time her going for four days, staying in a house with people who are playing games and drinking all day long. And those are their standards, right? And you, you got to understand those things. And what's happened today in America is we no longer have standards. I saw this. Have you seen what's going on in San Francisco? Video shows San Francisco Walgreens chain freezers shut after shoplifters rob store 20 times a day. Footage of a San Francisco Walgreens shows the glass doors of the frozen food section chain shut after workers complain the store gets robbed 20 times a day. 20 times a day. Every day. The video posted online by a political commentator shows these thick chains secured with several large locks. Another portion of the clip shows entire aisles locked behind plexiglass fixtures and floor-to-ceiling glass cabinets. Customers must go to a store employee to unlock the display. Workers told local media that shoppers clean out all pizza and ice cream for their inventory every single night. They also say thieves hit the store and fill their bags with stolen goods 20 times a day. This started all over the country now. You see mobs of uh, young people, and again, they're urban, they're in the city, and you can see the pictures of their skin color and all that. Mobs, hundreds, they go in and rob stuff and walk out with $1,000 of merchandise. No one ever does anything. There's no longer standards. See, a coach gives a standard. A coach says these are the rules. A coach says you're to have respect. You know, I've been telling you, I've been doing a lot of work on cleaning up my own mental mess, and I've been working on it for 35 years. But Dr. Carolyn Lee's great new book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, she says if our minds are messed up, our lifestyles are messed up. And when our lifestyles are messed up, our mental and physical health suffer. That's what you're seeing. 23-year-old healthy people, professional athletes dying of natural causes, suicide, depression going through the roof, self-medicated. There is a 5,000% increase. 5,000% increase in youth mutilation surgeries. 40% of, of Brown, I think it is, university is LGBTQ. 10 years ago, I think it was 2 or 7%. You see what's happening? The standards don't exist anymore. For the first time in decades, think about this. The first time in decades, the trend of people living longer has been reversed due to lifestyle-related diseases. We're in control of our lifestyle choices, but we're making choices now that are killing us younger, earlier. Think about that. Mental health has been subsumed in the biomedical model. It has become something we fear, we stigmatize, and the battle is in the mind. I love Dr. Susan Jeffers says you can go three weeks without food. Three days without water and three minutes without air, but you cannot go three seconds without thinking. I'm sorry, Caroline Leaf, not Dr. Susan Jeffers. My apologies. So understanding how the mind works and what mind management is top priority. This is why we must live a self-examined life. What are those values? Who are you? Why are you here? How do you know if you've lived a noble life? At the end of your life, what do you want your spouse to say about you? What do you want your children to say about you? What do you want your friends to say about you? What type of people are you building around you? What type of people are you building yourself into? While Douglas MacArthur was stationed in Australia as acting Supreme Commander of Allied Forces, 
he penned this prayer for his only son, Arthur. He said, build me a son, O Lord, who will be strong enough to know when he's weak and brave enough to face himself when he's afraid. One who will be proud and unbending and honest defeat and humble and gentle in victory. Build me a son whose wishes will not take the place of deeds, a son who will know thee, and that to know himself is the foundation stone of knowledge. Lead him, I pray, not in the path of ease and comfort, but under the stress and spur of difficulties and challenge. Here let him learn to stand up in the storm. Here let him learn compassion for those who fail. Build me a son whose heart will be clear, whose goal will be high, a son who will master himself before he seeks to master other men. One who will reach into the future, yet never forget the past. And after all these things are his, add, I pray, enough of a sense of humor, so that he may always be serious, yet never take himself too seriously. Give him humility, so that he may always remember the simplicity of true greatness, the open mind of true wisdom, and the greatness of true strength. Then I, his father, will dare to whisper, I have not lived in vain. And now, let me give you an adaption from A Father's Prayer by General Douglas MacArthur, and this was submitted in May 1952. <clears throat> and this is called A Coach's Prayer. Build me a player who will be strong enough to know when he's weak and brave enough to face himself when he's afraid. One who will be proud and unbending and honest of feet and humble and gentle in victory. Build me a player whose wishbone will be there when his backbone should be. An athlete who will know you and that to know himself is the foundation so of knowledge. Lead him, I pray. Lead her, I pray. Not in the path of ease and comfort, but under the stress and spur of difficulties and challenge. Here, let them learn to stand up in the storms. Here, let them learn compassion for those who fail. Build me a player whose heart will be clear, whose goal will be high. A player who will master themselves before they seek to master others. One who will learn to laugh, yet never forget how to weep. One who will reach into the future, yet never forget the past. And after all these things are his or hers, add I pray, enough of a sense of humor never to take themselves too seriously. Give them humility, so they may always remember the simplicity of true greatness the open mind of true wisdom, the meekness of true strength, then I, his coach, will dare to whisper, I have not lived in vain. If a picture's worth a thousand words, what are the people in your life saying? What is the epistle written on your heart saying? What does it say about your mission? When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you hang up my first painting on the refrigerator, and I wanted to paint another one. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you feed a stray cat, and I thought it was good to be kind to animals. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make my favorite cake for me, and I knew that little things are special things. When you thought I wasn't looking, I heard you say a prayer, and I believe there's a God 
I could always talk to. When you thought I wasn't looking, I felt you kiss me goodnight, and I felt loved. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw that you cared, and I wanted to be everything I could be. When you thought I wasn't looking, I looked, and I kept looking, and I'm still looking. And I want to say thank you so much for all the things I saw when you weren't aware I was looking. Everybody's watching us. And everybody's watching us looking for one of two things. Is this somebody I want to be like? Or is this someone I'd never want to be like? Billy Graham said that more people do more to scare people away from God than any of the wiles of the devil. And I'm going to ask you right now, are there more people moving toward what you believe than moving away from? The time is now to raise the bar. People are watching. If not you, then who? And if not now, then when? Because planes crash and people die. The time is now. I'm Mr. Black reminding you, When you live your life like it matters, it does. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.